As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, everybody. This is going to be extremely explicit. So if you don't like swearing um, or angry people from Wisconsin, then turn your mother effing camera off now. I've been calling Green Bay, Appleton, Fond du Lac, and the outlet in Oshkosh. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show presented by Sling. I think you know what state we're headed to now. We're going to Wisconsin. We got Jesse Temple, the Athletics of Wisconsin beat writer. Ari Wasserman, of course, is here. We got to talk Badgers as uh, Brett Bielema returns to Camp Randall Stadium this week. But I think there's a better uh, big picture discussion to be had about Wisconsin and ceiling and Paul Christ and just what is good and what is acceptable and when, when you know things need to change. And... This is all stuff that Jesse's been dealing with quite a bit with his readers, and I, I think nationally we we are have been a little slow to recognize that within the Wisconsin fan base there's some there's some anger about as much anger as that lady who was mad at Bath and Body Works. That is a apparently a classic ten year old YouTube rant from a lady who was looking for two particular candles in the two for twenty sale. And she tried all those stores, and then something bad happened at the Appleton store where she did not get her candles. And then recently, an actress decided to <laughs> reenact it with Have the video. Have you seen the whole video? Have I watched it. I watched it yesterday. <laughs> it was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. I was mesmerized. It's 10 minutes long. I watched the whole thing. Okay. So I want to start the show by asking Jesse a simple yet ferocious question. But <laughs> let me preface this question by, by telling you I covered the Texas AM game on Saturday night, so I did not watch the Wisconsin-Ohio State game, but I looked at the box score and then tuned in, or I mean, I looked at the like live updates, and it was like 21 nothing, like in the first quarter, I think, or something, and I'm just going to ask, does Wisconsin stink? <laughs> uh, no. Ari comes right right to the point. I mean, did like, they stink? We were going we to grab ass around no. that for like 15 minutes. There's going to be a ton of layers that I imagine we get to with this discussion about where Wisconsin is as a program. But to answer the basic question of whether the Badgers stink, no. The problem is 
you go and play at Ohio State in front of 100,000 people and you see that Ohio State is operating on an entirely different level. It's like Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Wisconsin is not in that realm and it's not even close. And my, my biggest issue with having to watch that game was nobody expected Wisconsin to win. The Badgers were 19-point underdogs. That was the biggest point spread against the Badgers in the last 25 years. So you don't have to win that game. But for God's sake, you've got to be competitive. And it was 28 to nothing before Wisconsin crossed midfield. So it's sort of an indictment on where Wisconsin is as a program. But there's another part where you have to kind of separate what happened in that game to what Wisconsin is capable of relative to the rest of the Big Ten and potentially in college football. That's a long way of saying they were not good in any way, in any phase against Ohio State. But no, the Badgers are not bad. Well, like you got to qualify it for him, Andy. Stinking in relation to what Wisconsin should be, I think is well, probably a better way. But this is this is where this is coming from. So, I, this is what inspired this discussion. I you can you can read along with your dear Andy mailbag if you're listening to this in podcast form on Thursday. Uh, you can read along because this is the lead question of my dear Andy mailbag, and I called Jesse when I got this question because. I wanted to make sure I wasn't mischaracterizing anything. I've been reading what he's been writing. The comments under his stories are very informative. If you'd like to take kind of the temperature of the Wisconsin fan base. And I thought this question from, from a reader named Joe was really interesting. So let me read you the question and you kind of see what Wisconsin fans are wrestling with. And, And I imagine even if you're not a Wisconsin fan, you may see some of this in your own program It's a really interesting discussion. So this is from Joe, Badger fan here. As the years go by, it feels more and more like the 2017 Orange Bowl game was the high watermark for the Paul Christ era in in Madison. That would be the uh, Turner over Chain My Bleep and Bleep game. Uh, That was a team on the rise that won a New Year's Six game, and it led to a Rose Bowl appearance the next year. The results have been mixed and disappointing since then, especially in the development of Graham Mertz. Is there any scenario where the Badgers would or should move on from Christ? Who would the alternative even be? It feels like the program is stuck, but I'm not sure as to what direction they should go in or if it can really change at all. Is the current state of the program, win seven or eight games, maybe compete in the Big Ten West, as good as it can get for Wisconsin football? And I think it's a great question about ceiling and identity. And when you know your identity, do you dare stray away from it? I mean, this is what got Nebraska in trouble. Now, this sort I need, of thinking. I need to hop in here yeah. because Wisconsin was playing a game two years ago, and I tweeted something about this style of offense isn't good for the long term. And I got absolutely crucified for suggesting that Wisconsin doesn't stick with the path of what Wisconsin is, and I think there's some merit to that. So I'm very curious. Like, you're going to be funny, like, picturing just a completely different, like, Jamie Chadwell going up there and taking over the job. Like, could Wisconsin do that, or do they have to be this Wisconsin? Well, and that's Je- what I want. Yeah, this is what Jesse and I talked about this morning. So, Jesse, I, I, want, to, I want to kind of turn it over to you because you, you've been covering this program, understand it better, way better than we ever will. What is the main source of the angst for the fan base right now, and, and when did that kind of start? Okay, so here's what it is. Paul Christ right now, he's won 72.8% of his games as the head coach. But a lot of that success was built on the earlier years, four of his first five years. It was touched on in that question, but in 2016, the year before that Orange Bowl season, Wisconsin went to the Cotton Bowl, beat an undefeated Western Michigan team led by P.J. Fleck. 2017, as you said, go to the Orange Bowl. That's They went 13-1. and 
they were at midfield against Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, down by six points. If the Badgers score a touchdown, they go to the college football playoff. They were fourth in the rankings entering that game. And then in 2019, went back to the Big Ten championship, lost to Ohio State, but still went to the Rose Bowl. It, there would be no conversation like this at all after that, or even in 2020. But it's what's happened since then that has created so much angst among the fan base. Even in that 2019 season, there was a stretch where Wisconsin lost as 30 and a half point favorites on the road against Illinois, then lost at Ohio State. Since that loss to Illinois, Wisconsin is 13 and 10 against Big Ten teams. The Badgers are 4 and 10 against nationally ranked teams. So this is all about expectations and what Wisconsin is now juxtaposed against where the Badgers were just a few years ago. Because for Wisconsin, it hasn't been like in Ohio State or a Georgia where it's Every year, it's get to the college football playoff, give yourself a chance to win a national championship. It's can you win double-digit games? Can you win the Big Ten West? Can maybe every few years, like in 2017, you put yourself in position to actually win a conference championship. And when you get to that level a few years ago and it starts to fall off, then you start to ask, what is the ceiling for Wisconsin? And is Paul Chris the right man to lead you going forward? Because these last few years, clearly, you could say they're farther away now than where they were in 2019. They weren't great in 2020. That was the COVID year. I'm willing to give Wisconsin a pass for that because like half the team got COVID. There were a lot of injuries. I know every program in the country dealt with it, but Wisconsin was pretty hard hit. Last year in the regular season finale, they're playing Minnesota. And if the Badgers win that game, they go to the Big Ten championship game. Wisconsin lost. That's pretty uncharacteristic from the Badgers. So you stack those two seasons on top of the fact Wisconsin right now is two and two. It's not just losing to Ohio State. As I said, it's the way you lost to Ohio State. And two weeks ago, you lost at home to Washington State as 17 and a half point favorites. So that is the general, I guess, discussion that we're having here. There's a lot more to it. But Wisconsin for so long beat all the teams it was supposed to beat. And now you're starting to wonder, can the Badgers continue to do that? And what will the ceiling be moving forward? So so from a 30,000 foot view and, you know, from far away, I always just felt like Wisconsin's over under win total every year, no matter what was either nine and a half or 10 and a half. Yeah. Like they would just win. They won a lot of games, you know, and I know that this, this conversation's coming off the heels of the Ohio state game, but I've never judged Wisconsin based on the results of that game. I've judged Wisconsin on, on the heels of just how they're supposed to be, or typically would be dominating the big 10 West. And it seems like they're dropping games the last few years that they would never have dropped, you know, two, three years ago. It just seems like the, we're, we're using the Ohio state game as like, Oh my God. But it's just like, that was never the bar. The bar was just to beat Illinois. And I know there's some questions about whether that's going to happen this weekend. It's like, that wouldn't have been a question three years ago. Well, let's, let's throw some numbers out with Illinois. Cause this is really interesting. So if Paul Chris wins this game, he will move into second place on the all time Wisconsin wins lifts. Tied with Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema was 68 and 24 at Wisconsin. Paul Chris, 67 and 25. So one game behind Brett Bielema after the same number of games coached. And I, my thing with this, uh, Jesse, is I'm more concerned if they lose to Illinois, if they lose to Minnesota again, that people are out Wisconsining Wisconsin in their backyard. Like that would be more of a concern for me than, oh, this style, because the style will work. Like they have an identity, it works. But the thing is, if somebody does you better than you do you, you might have to figure out how to get back to doing you better. 
you're firmly in the don't change the style mode. You're like, no, I, I think their identity is perfect for, for where they are and what they are. So I very much agree with you. Obviously, when Barry Alvarez came here, this program, this athletic department was in shambles, and you've seen what the Badgers have been able to build. And one of the reasons they're able to consistently beat a lot of these other teams in what you might consider toss-up games or the fact that the Badgers are favored in the Big Ten West is for exactly the reason you addressed. They've got an identity. They know their style of play. They're a run-first team. They play very sound defense, obviously the Ohio State game notwithstanding. And they hit occasional play-action passes, and so they can keep you a little bit honest but they just execute very well. And as you and I were talking earlier in the day, Andy, it's a completely different conversation that we're having if, in fact, Wisconsin somehow does lose to Illinois and if the Badgers do lose to the Gophers in the regular season finale because that's a Minnesota program that Wisconsin beat 14 consecutive years. If Minnesota goes into Madison and wins, not only would it be the second time that they have come to Madison and won since 2018, it'd be the third time they've beaten Wisconsin in the last five games. So, it's not really fair from a Wisconsin standpoint to compare the Badgers to Ohio State. Certainly, you expect a more competitive game, but it is totally fair to expect Wisconsin to be a contender every year in the Big Ten West, especially in a year like this where no one has really stood out. Minnesota is the only team that's won all of its games, and that right now is the team you would say is the the favorite to win the Big Ten, but they've got the Big Ten West, but they've got to go to Madison. So, yes, if you get out Wisconsin by some of these other teams. I think the conversation that we're having turns up another notch in the athletic department and the, the AD maybe has to just start thinking about, I'm not, I don't think Paul Christ, first of all, he is not on the hot seat. Now I don't necessarily believe he'd be on the hot seat after a season that goes eight and four. Um, even though the Badgers were eight and four last year, but you certainly do have to start evaluating what the direction of the program could be. If you start losing to those teams. And if it happens another year, then I think you've got some issues. Well, and, and so a couple folks in our live chat we have Craig and and David both asking about the offensive line they, they're talking about you know why is why is the the line mediocre I'm, I'm looking at a picture on my wall of like Tyler Biotish and and Michael Dieter and you know offensive linemen of the past and and that was it was their hallmark they just mauled you up front they reset the line of scrimmage the backs didn't have to work that hard to find a hole and it's been a while since we've seen that, like that 2020 Michigan game feels like the last time I can remember a Wisconsin offensive line just dominating a game. Yeah, obviously a lot's happened since then. Joe Rudolph did a lot for this program. Um, he was the offensive line coach, and he left after the last season to take over the old line at Virginia Tech. And they brought in Bob Bostead, who was coaching linebackers at Wisconsin for the last five years. He was in charge of Wisconsin's O-line during the so-called glory days yeah. of 2010, 2011, like that those were the two best offensive line Wisconsin has ever had this year in particular. I think some of the issues have to go with the lack of continuity. I'm not trying to make excuses for Wisconsin. Like the offensive line has to be better. That is the bread and butter that the Badgers have relied on for the, so the, long. The butter burger, if you will, the oh, butter burger. I, I know we'll get to that. <laughs> I know you got to eat a lot of butter burgers, although the, the line used to love red Robin. I, I don't, I think you, you can't go wrong anywhere that, it serves you massive burgers and fries, but <laughs> bottomless fries, Jesse. Show some bottomless respect. fries. I went, I went with them. I he went I with tried. them. Yeah. No, I know, but I just like when you talk about it. I mean, just get it right. I understand. Get it right. Get it right, yeah. get it right or pay the price. Yeah. We're journalists. Um, but they've had like Jack Nelson, their starting left tackle. He was injured. He didn't play against Ohio State. Um, Riley Malman, who's one of their best tackles, emerged as a starter. He's been injured. So. Against Ohio State, you had to flip Logan Brown from right tackle to left tackle. You had different starters at right guard and right tackle. There's a lot of talent there. Um, I think continuity has to do with it at least a little bit. But 
coming into this season on paper, this was the most talented offensive line that Wisconsin had had from a recruiting ranking standpoint. I know you can't judge everything on that, but the number of four and five star guys in there made you think they should be blowing people away. And that's not what's happening. So is Nolan Rucci even on the field yet? Not yet. No. And he's so he's one of the two five star players that they had. He was the number one player in Pennsylvania. Logan Brown, the other five star player. And I think the thing that's frustrating in part for Badgers fans is so rarely do the Badgers get five star players. Logan Brown was a five star signee in the 2019 class. He was the first five star signee Wisconsin had had in 12 years. And so you start to think about, oh, what could this mean? You start getting guys like this. And Logan's in his fourth year in the program. and He's only now a starter and, and it hasn't been as consistent as he would have liked. So I think there's a few different reasons, but they clearly have to fix some things there because they need their running game to be able to dominate. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So if you are a Wisconsin person and you said we're a few years away from this and I believe that to be true, but if you are getting a new coach or thinking about mm -hmm. getting a new coach, what do you do? Just go find the best (laughs) offensive line coach in America. Like how how do you even create a, I feel like Wisconsin would be, you know how we had the, uh, I'm actually talking like I'm from Wisconsin now where I start sentences and don't finish them. Right. Or is that a Minnesota Fargo thing? I'm going to leave you hanging on that. I was going to say, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you stereotype the upper Midwest all you want. Well, I'm just Fargo is one of the greatest shows ever made in the history of television. And they do it a lot on the show. So I haven't spent a lot of time up there other than some, most of the first season take place in Minneapolis, whatever it is. It's all that area. I you know. know. I'm it. just joking. Madison and Minneapolis are the same place in my head. So, uh, of course they you are. know, I'm glad no, but, you haven't offended the entire upper Midwest. Yes. Ari, Ari likes <laughs> to go on broad brush, everybody. No, no, I know. I'm just, I'm just teasing you guys. Uh, but I do think like when we did the Georgia tech, uh, Jeff Collins podcast last week, Andy, we came up with like 12 different candidates that would be awesome or potentially awesome for, for Georgia tech. And it's like, if you do the same thing for Wisconsin, I'm just like, I don't know. Does that have to be somebody from the Wisconsin tree? Well, could be somebody on their staff currently. Right. Currently, exactly. So, yeah. I think Leonard. we should. I think we should start with this. And Andy mentioned this, I think, briefly earlier. Is if you're going to make a change, in my mind, you better be damn sure you got someone coming in who can win seventy three percent of the games and yeah. elevate this program. Because I always think you run the risk if you make a rash decision of going in the wrong direction. And I know the circumstances aren't entirely apples to apples, but I think looking at Nebraska and what happened with Bo Pelini is reasonable only from the standpoint of Pelini was, I think, 66 and 27 at Nebraska, generally won nine plus games. Obviously, there were other reasons why 
Nebraska moved on. But the athletic director, Sean Eichhorst at the time, basically said that we weren't winning the games that mattered. And it, I'm trying to remember the exact number. I know I had it in a story. I think Nebraska's 35 and 51 since then. So not only are they not winning the games that matter, they're not winning the other games either. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen at Wisconsin, but to me, it's in part a bit of a cautionary tale about if you make a change, it doesn't always work out the way that you think it's going to work out. But to answer your question directly about who the options would potentially be, the first one that fans would say is, why don't you hire Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator? He's been an outstanding coordinator here, one of the best in the country. He's had overtures for a lot of other positions. He turned down the defensive coordinator role with the def- with the Green Bay Packers mm-hmm. last year. Um, but this goes back to what does Wisconsin as an athletic department, as Chris McIntosh, the athletic director, believe in? And I just don't see them dropping a coach, again, who's won as many games as Paul Christ has at this point. Uh, you know, and, but that would be my, that would be the first choice. And even if Jim Leonard ultimately does leave, which I don't know that he's going to stay here forever as defensive coordinator, he may, he may want to challenge himself in another way. Whenever Paul Christ is done coaching, he would be the very first call that you would make at Wisconsin because he's a former player. He was a walk-on from the state of Wisconsin, became a three-time All-American. He had a 10-year NFL career. He's been an incredible assistant coach here. So he understands everything Wisconsin is about. That, to me, is sort of where it starts and ends. But then it's fun to play this game and go down the list because I think there are more coaches than you might think that at least have ties to Wisconsin. Um, you know, Lance Leipold at Kansas, whose name is probably getting thrown oh, around for every position. He was, he was at Whitewater. Fans. No, wait a minute. I'm from Kansas. Went I Whitewater. went to the University of Kansas. Yes. Uh, I know the Jayhawks and the culture, and it's been incredible what he's been able to do. But obviously, what I'm saying is he's had success at a lot of places, and so I think that's a name that would come up. There's a lot of coaches that I don't know that Wisconsin could necessarily afford to pay or that the coach would want to come. Uh, but like, you know, Dave Aranda and Justin Wilcox. And I mean, those guys work. Does Dave Aranda move to Wisconsin and turn no. into the cheese curds of I'm I'm just giving you names of people with ties to pro the pro. Yeah, but you, you made it seem like it's ridiculous. You can't possibly stick and- with the plan and be who you are and never stray from that and then go hire Dave Aranda. Actually, he brought actually, the 3-4 you, defense you, to Wisconsin you, that they're still using. No, no, I, but they're not. But the. the it's not what they are, though. Actually, it, you you could did you could be that physical upfront presence that that's the offense Dave Aranda has been using to great success at Baylor. the The first year sucked. They changed the offense, and now Wisconsin's not a big outside not zone team. It's just like they're not a big wide zone team. I'm but, not saying they're going to go high, Dave. No, I'm just Dave saying Aranda. even if they did, it just not that's not in line. It actually is very much in line. What what Baylor is right now in the Big Twelve is actually very much in line with Wisconsin's identity. In the Big I understand 12. what Baylor wants. Okay, if you think that it's the you like that's the guy. That's that. I'm not saying that. I'm just Wisconsin I'm just, more than Dave Aranda. I, you don't have to scream Wisconsin. Like yes, you do. You, you don't have to have cheese curds in your blood. Yeah, it, it's so, not necessary. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I just like I know that they're a very physical team. And they win Big 12 games by winning up front. Like, I understand that. But, like, when I think of Wisconsin, like, I think of Paul Chris. It's, like, burnt in my brain. Like, I can't even imagine. Well, you have to a, let that go. There's, there's no, I know, but people I feel it can win in different places. No, but I do feel like if you want to stay into that, that same Brett, realm. Brett Bielema is not from Wisconsin. He won the Big Ten a few times there. Well, how about Brett Bielema? He comes up. He drops Wisconsin this weekend. He's looking for a job. No, he's not a, coming back. Yeah, I was just saying. Ever? 
Well, he's got to come back for this weekend. A <laughs> lot, lot of no. lot of burned bridges, and on a town that's an isthmus, you can't have burned bridges. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think it's fair to ask. It's not always a slam dunk guarantee that you're going to bring in somebody who is, I mean, you know, a, a Nick Saban or whatever. Like when Brett Bielma left, Wisconsin brought in Gary Anderson. Obviously, it didn't wind up working out. He wound up leaving, and it's been a bizarre journey for him. But you know, if if you thought about the top candidates for a job at that time. Gary Anderson had had success at Utah State, but, you know, it's not like they were bringing in Dabo or, you know, somebody of that level. So I don't necessarily know that you'd have, <laughs> it's not like every top 10 coach or 20 coach in America would be lining up saying, I want to go coach at Wisconsin. It's a great program. They do a lot of things well, but there is a culture and a system that I do think in large part, you've got to adhere to. You've got to understand what's made this program successful and I do think this is a legitimate thing that you've got to deal with at Wisconsin is the access to talent. Ari is Mr. Talent matters, stars matter, five stars, four stars usually win. And Wisconsin's had a lot of success, but the access to talent up here in terms of like in-state, it's just different. And the challenge is different. That doesn't mean you can't succeed. Uh, but I think you've got to understand that when you come here, that it's just a little but bit Wisconsin's different. Wisconsin's style is what you do when you don't have access to talent, right? That's the whole thing. That I think that's reasonable because, you know, you've got to out execute teams and um, it's not like you see it against Ohio State, the best athletes on the field, you get them in speed and space and it's all over and they don't have a bunch of players like that. So I think that is certainly part of it. And that's why Barry Alvarez had so much success was he understood exactly what you needed to do to give yourself a chance up here. And Brett Beal and I talked to him about this several times, but when he took over for Barry or actually when Brett was a defensive coordinator and he was learning to recruit the state, he asked Barry for advice. And it was like, you go to the state of Wisconsin, there's a bunch of big Scandinavian dudes. There's six, six, 250 pound guys sacking groceries at your local grocery store. That's the access to talent that you have here. You get the big hog mollies and you build everything around that, but it's not as easy to go and get, you know, the, the, speedy guys down south to come up to Wisconsin. And and again, I don't want to sound like I'm excuse making because other programs have found success, but I just want to make it clear that there are some barriers to entry at Wisconsin that other programs no, don't necessarily have to deal with. It's perfectly understandable. And the thing is, I've always thought people at Wisconsin, f- the fan base, was very accepting of the ceiling, like understood that, hey, 10 wins a year may be the ceiling or, you know, maybe 11 sometimes in a really good year. But not necessarily competing for the national title because the access to talent does not allow for that. That's my question is, are they still mostly that way? Or is there a subset that says, well, no, you need to be able to compete with the Ohio States. I don't know how many people, how many fans say you need to be able to consistently compete with Ohio state because there's really no evidence over history that Wisconsin has consistently beaten Ohio state. The Buckeyes have won nine straight games. Now Wisconsin hasn't beaten Ohio state since 2010, when the Buckeyes were number one in the country, like as a Wisconsin program, you go in and you beat Ohio state, wherever it is. That's a game that fans talk about for decades because it's that big of a deal. But I do think it's an interesting question. The idea of what is the ceiling for Wisconsin? And it goes back to expectations. It always goes back to expectations. When this program was terrible in the seventies and eighties, people would have killed for the Badgers to go to a bowl game. That was a big deal. And then all of a sudden they started going to the Rose Bowl, and they started winning the Big Ten Championship. And then when they got close under Paul Chris to the college football playoff, as I said, in th- during a four-year stretch, they were in the top eight in the playoff rankings three of those years. It felt like they were right on the cusp, and they haven't gotten any closer. And I think that's where the frustration is. My personal opinion of what the ceiling is for Wisconsin is 
there's going to be a 12 team playoff that's coming very, very soon. And to me, that changes everything for a program like Wisconsin, because the Badgers have always been on the outside looking in. They can't compete every year with Ohio State, but they wouldn't necessarily have to win the Big Ten. They would just have to be one of the best 12 teams in the country. During the BCS era from 1998 until this point, Wisconsin would have been in a 12-team playoff in eight different years. They haven't gone once. Yeah, that so feels me, very different to me. But, but I, yeah, so to me, it's if they can be a top 12 program every few years. And to me, I think this that's is legitimately what the why I'm against the expansion of the playoff sometimes. That I'm not necessarily blood boy. People from Wisconsin can feel good about themselves. That's no, because yeah. I actually believe that Wisconsin could make the playoff. In a 12-team playoff? In a 14-team playoff. Well, and if you think I'm crazy, they were 50 yards away. We were sitting no, there. Give them the right, when it give happened, the right year they could. And also, if Wisconsin – what was the year that they were at the 50 down six in the in the fourth quarter? 2017. 17. That was the year they went 13-1, and one, right? Yes, they were 12 If Wisconsin's that team game. this past year was that good, which I think is reasonable, that is something that they can duplicate, they absolutely could have beaten Michigan in the Big Ten championship game and gone to the playoffs. Okay. Well, they would have gone once. Once out of would you rather what, gone eight years? times than once? I think eight times is better. I wonder if I wonder if you asked a Wisconsin fan, would you rather make the four team field by winning the Big Ten championship once, or would you rather make the twelve team by default five times? What they would pick five I times? Think, I think they'd pick five times, Ari. To be honest yeah. with you, I think they'd rather be yeah, in the know. conversation for a twelve team playoff. Five. Ari, would you times. rather have a twosome or a threesome? <laughs> Probably a twosome. I don't think I could handle a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> But my, my point is they, they they occupy in a weird a weird place in the college football landscape and that they've been very good, but they haven't quite been elite. And you're right, a twelve team playoff rewards some of the very good, but not necessarily the elite. Wisconsin, I think, yeah. would be in position to benefit. But I also think just because they go to a twelve team playoff, I would never expect them to actually win that thing. You gotta go back to back to back and beat like three of the five best teams in the country. That you can't so, beat once now? Yes. I agree. But I'm just so saying what are we doing? I, I we're it's more, it's about, more inclusion. it's about more inclusion and more money. Look, I'm not here to litigate whether you should have a four or twelve. They're already playoff. handing I'm, out I'm here to offer trophies. They're called bowl games, Ari. There you go. It's not like that's a new <laughs> yeah. thing. I'm here to offer why the ceiling for Wisconsin is what it could be with a twelve team playoff. But I do and think, I think that, it changes expectations when that of happens. Of course. And I think that it'll be very interesting to see how expectations at places like Penn State and Wisconsin change once that's the reality of it. My only thing is is when you talk about a ceiling how do you define the ceiling? Do you define it as what the program could be for a long period of time or what could happen at the best if everything breaks the right way? And I personally believe that Wisconsin, the Wisconsin team that is 10 and a half wins over under before the year in the right year when they're clicking like they were in 17, getting matched up with somebody not Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game because it does happen and will happen at least once or twice every 10 years that there is a certain cross-section where the absolute ceiling of the Wisconsin program that you've been covering for the past five years is to make the 14 playoff one time. Yes. If Michigan State can do one it, Wisconsin time. can do it. But but uh, here's of the course. thing. It, it, ceiling, ceiling to me is not what happens if all the stars align. It's if you have the right coach, what are you consistently? Like Auburn is one we're, we're going to talk about a lot probably in the next few weeks. When when their job opens, like what's the ceiling for Auburn? The ceiling for Auburn is the national title. Like we've seen it, we know it can happen. What is their their day to day, you know, year to year ceiling? That's a better question. Like that is a more interesting question. Yeah. Well, I think and, the answer and, to that for Wisconsin is that they've been their ceiling. Then I right, they were at their ceiling. 
And I think that's the that's what they have to come to grips with is are they now they're not, do they need to find somebody to get them back there? Can Paul Chris get them back there since he's already had them there? Like that's that's the question. We'll be right back after these words. You know what I was thinking the entire break? What's that? It was bothering me. And this is why we don't to Jesse was asking, why don't you guys have a thing? And I know that we got a, We got another segment to get to, but I just want to let you know that that wow. analogy that you proposed to me about the playoff. Uh huh. I didn't like that analogy. Now that I was thinking about it, it's a terrible because, analogy. I just wanted to, I, okay. I want to see your reaction to it's it. Like, and it was, would you rather have perfect. one with a model or two with people from Walmart? I'd pick the model. <laughs> that's what that is. I'm just like, that's, but that's what the 14 playoff is, is with, with the model. And the 12 team playoff is the consolation prize. I mean, the, the, the gr- 14 playoff is a model like spiking you in the forehead with a with a high heel and then spitting on you. That's that's what that some is. people are into that sort of thing. I don't know. <laughs> <All> <laughs> I right. just wanted to make sure that we were on track on that because no, it, it, it was irking me. It was it was it was a an Ari Wasserman esque analogy. So <laughs> I, I apologize okay. for that. Yeah. This is why this is why the SAT removed analogies. All right, <laughs> we got to talk about the Big Ten has put out a video on its social channels that is spectacular. They asked every coach in the Big Ten, what is an NFT? For, for those who don't know, an NFT is a non-fungible token. It's a, it's a moment or a, a, an online, a, a digital thing that you can own, basically. Uh, it can be verified by blockchain. And so you, are, you may or may not believe it's worth anything. I personally like those NBA top shot highlights. I thought that was the stupidest thing in the world. People pay, were paying money for, for gifts of NBA plays. But if it's worth something to you, who am I to judge? But the Big Ten coaches were asked about NFTs, which are a thing that is, you know, pretty big deal in the especially in the world of the the, the age group that they deal with. And uh and here were their answers from the Big Ten Network. Oh, I, I, I couldn't tell you. I, I can kind of explain what I what I think they are. NFT, a non-fungible token. I'm not for sure. NFT, I don't even know what that means. I don't know if it's fortunately, unfortunately. I've learned a lot about NFTs in the last month. So something to do with blockchain, right? I have no idea what an NFT is. Um, no. Basically, like a look-alike. Um, you know, of a player or of a person um, that you're able to sell. NFT. No. NFT? I have no idea. <laughs> I think it's exciting. I, I think it's a little bit of an unknown, but certainly uh, it's very progressive and uh, exciting to think about the opportunities that are out there. Non-fungible token. I know what it means. What, what's the definition you tell me? <laughs> if you could tell me what it is, I, I still don't know what that is. A What? an nft with people people are buying you know like digital art or digital um things that you create i I don't it doesn't really make sense to me you know again that's that's not my generation so ryan day knowing exactly what it is and being able to explain it very well not surprising at all the biggest upset to me guys pj fleck not knowing what an nft was like he had crypto bro written all over him I feel like it's not surprising that the two who could explain it the best have the recruiting rankings that rank one, two in the Big Ten in the 2022 Yeah, J- James Franklin <laughs> took him a minute, but he got there. He got it. And you yeah. know what? If I was presented with that question on the spot without being prompted before, it might take me a minute to fully yeah. hash it out. She, well, she knew what easy. blockchain was. Like that, that was 
That he said good. the word blockchain. I don't know if he knows what it is. He right, associated right. the two. It's yeah, more like, than well, the other coaches could say. But I, I, I have I have spent hours reading up on blockchain and probably could not tell you what it is. Yeah, yeah. I put a bunch of money into Bitcoin um, on this app called Voyager, and Voyager uh, has since filed bankruptcy, and I think I just lost all those assets. Oh no! So like, I think I'm I think I'm done in that in that space. <laughs> it's, if you're a crypto but, bro, can you please? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. reach out to me and let me know what it's like when your assets disappear out of nowhere. Thanks. So that, but it was very interesting because Ryan day and I imagine Ryan day's players, especially CJ Stroud, some of the, the bigger name guys, they've had plenty of offers for NIL deals involving mm-hmm. NFTs. And so he's probably had to educate himself just to be able to, to have those conversations with his players. But Mel, Mel Tucker knew what it meant, did not know how to explain it. Um, Mike Loxley didn't didn't know. Kirk Ferentz, did he say MFT or NFT? I can't even remember, but he didn't know. Here's my thing is, is it really that big of a deal? Like, it's funny to put that video together and juxtapose Ryan Day. Obviously, he knows what's going on, I guess. But, like, you're the head coach of a football team. No, you really know every single aspect. You got to delegate to people. That's why you've got an entire staff devoted to recruiting an NIL. So I'm yeah. not all that up in arms about most of these coaches not having a clue what it even stands for. Well, but it do is either funny. of you have any interest whatsoever in owning a digital asset? Zero. No, but so I, I feel like that just makes me old. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing. Like for me, so I've developed, and I think Jesse knows this about me, a very uh, terrible addiction to sports cards recently in the last year. Right. But as part of it, you can also buy NFT sports cards. So what makes a sports card um, valuable a lot of times is when there's a serial number on the back. It tells Correct. you exactly how many of those sports cards are printed and what number out of that number. So there's a there's a tangible amount. Yes. And you can buy the digital assets of those cards. So you can own a one of one or a one of 50 or a one of 100 and, and so forth of the digital picture of that card. Now, anybody can look at it. But if you own it and it's in your wallet and you have it, that belongs to you. And I think people in the between the ages of 14 and 25, which none of us are, I think have an interest in owning these assets. So the right, that means is, that means something to them. To to me, it doesn't mean anything. Like you, so what? Yeah, you like that guy care? that spent a million dollars on that LeBron dunk that anybody can just watch on YouTube whenever they want makes yeah. zero sense to me. But I think that it's one of those things where just like you kind of have to know what you're selling. And if there's money involved in it, like maybe somebody would want to buy an NFT of Graham Mertz. <laughs> and if, and if he can Not make lately. money off of it, <laughs> and I don't know about now, <laughs> he, has a, he has a logo dude. Okay. Yeah, he does. I mean, pretty nice logo. Wisconsin had a basketball player last year named Johnny Davis. He was taking 10th oh, yeah. in the, in, so he was a lottery pick and he had an NFT. He had a card. At least that part, I can sort of understand Ari's perspective, you know, owning, a card of sorts, as opposed to something that everybody can see on Twitter. But it's, I think it's, it's complicated to a lot of people and it's understandable why they don't know what the answer is to it. And it's just a totally emerging space. Like this did not exist a few years ago. So no. coaches are give, slow. Give I me think, a Lambo a and my own mustard. That's what I want for my NIL, NIL deals. I have a, yeah, I, I have a friend who spent like three grand on a picture of an ape. Wow. That's so an wild. NFT. Yeah. 
Three grand. Like De- DeAnthony Thomas. There's remember a lot of him, people the... who became millionaires overnight with this stuff, guys. Re- re- remember because Thomas they resold from, it. From... Yeah, they resold it. Right, they resold it. Wanted it. Top of the market and right before. But so do you remember DeAnthony Thomas from Oregon, the the receiver, running back, just do everything guy, kick returner. Yeah, huge crypto guy now. Like you follow okay. him on Twitter, it's all board apes all the time. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And apparently, yeah. if you own the NFT, then that NFT is almost like a membership card to events and discounts and sort of things. So like when when they say NFT, like you might be able to buy a Walmart NFT in ten years. That if you own that NFT, then you get twenty percent off of everything in the store. Like <laughs> after what, after have, what you just suggested involving Walmart to me, I'm, I'm not sure I want to take a break from there that. for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, there's some pretty attractive women in Walmart. Sometimes I wasn't trying to be mean, but. Um, but that's, I think, we, they're, they're we've all seen to the have, people of Walmart Instagram feed. We, th- we know that's what going. I was referencing. Yes, <laughs> I love Walmart. By the way, it's my it's my place. Um, but I think that they're trying to create practical uses for these digital things, so that if you own the digital asset, then you can use that asset to exclusive parties or discounts or access to tickets or what. I mean, they're exploring it, and I do believe that in the future there will be membership cards and things that you have like you have on an apple wallet yeah that that you can own that like grant you access to things i have one it's called my sam's club membership yes and it (laughs) might be like you might have to say when i when i walk into the store i show them my digital wallet with my sam's club membership which has a number that can be authenticated and yeah they let me in and i can buy all the giant pretzels i want but like it might be in 10 years where you have to pay Sam's Club, a thousand bucks, and then you own this asset. And then when you have this asset, it can appreciate because they're only selling so many of them for people to go to the store. And you can't go in the store unless you have this asset, which you can resell that at is any point. Essentially, what they do without the resale part. Yes. Yeah. But so. at least when you own this thing, at least you get yeah. something out of it other than looking at a picture of a monkey. Like, I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't compute to me. But if you buy something that other people want for practical uses, I can understand why somebody would want can, it. Can you imagine if we had to, to, describe this to kirk ference right now like how quickly would he walk out of the room i mean i think he'd probably be happy to talk about anything other than the forward pass right now <laughs> <laughs> wait you don't you don't want to talk about brian right now no oh, okay <laughs> no, let's let's let's, let's talk nfts or mfts or whatever the hell they're called um but i do i do wonder like how it's gonna how it's gonna go because any single quarter that you can milk out of anything for these guys right now is an important thing for coaches to understand. And like, if you're Kirk Ferentz and some, you know, and maybe the the prospects that Kirk Ferentz aren't, I I don't think anybody's going to not go to Iowa because Kirk Ferentz doesn't know what an NFT is. I know, but there will come a day where he might be recruiting a player, a five-star prospect like he did last year and got that asks him, how are you guys going to maximize my name, image, and likeness in NFT in the NFT space? And he goes, Oh, uh, that might not be great. So like, I think it's important to, to be up with the times that pertains to talking points, because all of these NIL uh, collectives and lawyers and anything that you read about NIL, that there's an NFT space to it there. And, you know, sometimes getting in on the ground, the, I feel like I'm a diagram driver. of the people who have decided to become middlemen in the NIL space and crypto bros is one circle is basically one circle. I mean, it's it, maybe there's maybe there's a little bit. It's it's not the Mastercard logo. Let's put it that, that way. Yeah, not the so, Olympics logo either. But you know, exactly. Yeah, it is funny though that like the there is a correlation between the types of players that you're recruiting and the need to know them too. Because Harold Perkins might want to know that more than 
some three-star kid from Sheboygan, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Sheboygan. Did I say it right? Yeah, you nailed it. Sheboygan. Sheboygan. There you have go. you been there? Uh, I've not been to Sheboygan, no. There's a lot of places you need to get out in the car. Did, did I say, did I say Waukesha right? Yeah, Waukesha. Got it. Some people say it like Waukesha. The one thing I will say about Wisconsin is that the cheese curd yes. is delicious and oh. generally underutilized across America. Well, like, I, listen, we haven't talked enough about Wisconsin graduate Young Gravy, who that song that samples Rick Fire. Astley. Oh, yeah. Maybe my favorite song ever because nobody else has rhymed poutine with anything. Yeah. yeah. Hip hop song. So and, think it's kind and of Manny Pacquiao with Jerry Stackhouse. Tremendous. <laughs> exactly. That's my that might be my favorite rhyme of the year. Single handedly like Vanderbilt basketball recruiting is going to go through the roof because Jerry Stackhouse got name checked by Young Gravy. <laughs> Do you so, think that there is a weird disconnect between how good cheese curds are and how hard they are to access on a given menu everywhere? Yeah, I don't feel like they're that hard to access I don't see cheese curds on menus ever. See, I feel like I feel like they they have exploded in availability as poutine has become kind of an in appetizer and i realize poutine is is from canada but there is a crossover there with the cheese curd as part of the cheese curd going poutine you sprinkle it on the gravy with the beef oh i had a poutine right. in canada once and i did not have cheese curds on there i'm, I'm feeling like i, I think it shot. depends on where you are but I'll tell you since moving to wisconsin my standard for a good cheese curd uh it's exceptionally high you know, you can't you can't just walk into a restaurant and they serve you some crappy cheese curd and expect to get my business again. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Are you a cheese snob? Uh, I don't know that I'm a cheese snob. I think I might be a cheese curd snob, though. That's the fried cheese curd variety. I'm not talking just regular cheese curd. You fry it up, crispy, delicious. You know, you can mess it up. Surprisingly, you can mess it up. There's some good options up here. Yeah, the same way there's some good mozzarella sticks and some bad ones. That's true. But they're still they're, all they're, they're still all after after two and a half minutes. Oh yeah, you're an anti-mot stick guy. That's such a strange bizarre take. Because there's four seconds where they're the perfect temperature, and otherwise they will d- destroy the roof of your mouth or they're disgusting little pieces of rubber. Like that's it's it's too narrow of a window. I don't. That's too much so, pressure so for you're an appetizer. Pro, you're pro fried cheese curd, but anti mod stick. Am I am I getting that right? Yes, I'm a complicated man, Ari. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you might want to lay down on a couch and talk to somebody about that because that doesn't Spe- make any sense. Speaking of cheese curd, I'm so glad you took us in this direction, Ari. See, this is why yes, Jesse, that's why we I don't did. have a rundown and why we just meander along. I, I don't think we, we we need to do this more often where we feature one state, Ari. This yeah, is, it doesn't have to be the program. It has to be the state. Craig Smith wants me to pronounce a word, and I've been trying to read it the entire break, and I can't do oh, it. Go for it. Hold on. Let me put it on screen. Go Jesse, do you know how to say this word? Yes. Andy, do you? Nope. <coughs> Give it a shot, Ari. Okanamawak. 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 Did I get right? Yeah. What I said it wasn't even English. <laughs> I some tough ones. Yeah, I f- I feel like we've done this show specifically for Craig. Craig has a, a the old Milwaukee Brewers logo, which is the greatest logo in the history of sports because it looks like a baseball glove, but it is an M and a B with a baseball in the middle of it. Do you know what I it's do love about perfect. the show though, What's guys? That? Is that we we dove in on Wisconsin and their style and and who they are, but I think that's applicable to plenty of fans that aren't Wisconsin fans. Like you yes. can apply a lot of the things that I think well, we think about Wisconsin to your favorite team if you have a, a similarly 
you know, situated program that's your favorite. Nebraska fans are just gnashing their teeth because they would love to be Wisconsin. That that's at this point. Uh, and and we've talked like Arizona State and Georgia Tech, who we've talked about a lot because the jobs just opened. The idea of identity, especially Georgia Tech, which had a very defined identity, went away from it. And now I, I don't think they're going to go back to it, but there's a danger in moving away from a defined identity. And that's why, uh, Jesse, you and I talked about this earlier, and we've talked about this a few times, where Wisconsin's not a knee-jerk type of place, the, exactly. the administration. That's, yeah. not, that's not how they operate. And I think that's for the better. I, I think that helps that program stay consistent and stay good because they're not going to do something crazy that you can't walk back. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think the concern from some people, and again, it's sometimes tough to decipher what you're seeing in the comments section of your stories versus how many fans in the stadium on Saturday feel exactly the same way. But there's a thought that if they are slow to action, that they then take too long and then you're past your prime and it's too late to get it back because you've, you've slipped so far. And I, I don't, again, I don't think Wisconsin is there right now, but no, they're not going to act rashly. Even if it's, again, as I said, if it's not a great season this year, I don't think they're going to make some drastic change with the head coach after this season. But I do think you have to start paying attention if you're sliding backward. And if you start slipping in the big 10 West, that's why they've got eight games left. That's the other thing is it's easy to make these knee jerk reactions in the middle of the season. Wisconsin started one and three last year and then won the rest of the games until the regular season finale. It's happened in a few different seasons over the years. So I think Wisconsin, it's a conversation we can have. Minnesota's really good this year, too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if that does happen, fans will lose their minds if Wisconsin loses again to Minnesota. Because I mean, I think if they play um, uh, tomorrow, they're seven-point dogs, right? Wisconsin? Yeah. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm not – I don't pick the lines in Vegas. Sorry, you know this. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I don't think they're going to be favored to win the game this year. Probably if if things continue this direction, which is well, which certainly. is wild to me because I just that was a I marked that as a win for Wisconsin every year. Well, it says a lot about so what PJ Fleck has been able to do for the program, and obviously Wisconsin kind of been stagnant and moving backwards a little bit. But I know we can have that conversation in late November. It's going to be a big one. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, we need to have a conversation now about this photo that Ari sent me after I. I told him that you were coming on with us, Jesse. This was immediately what he sends me. Uh, that is a man proposing to a lady in front of a Culver's, and he actually got the Culver's sign to say, April, will you marry me? Love, DJ. He's wearing a Packers jersey, by the way. <laughs> is this the most Wisconsin image ever committed to, well, I guess it's not film, but digital media? It's got to be up there. I have to say, this is a hell of a lot better than when you go to a baseball game and it's on the stadium in front of 40 or 50,000 fans, like this is intimate. This is what it's all about really. And I give him mad props for hooking it up and figuring out how to put that on the screen and how to get her in front of it. So this has got to be up there on a most Wisconsin proposal. And I give him full props. You know, I, uh, they have cheese curds at the wedding. You have to, you have, it has to be catered by Culver's. I would think so. Yes. I have a buddy who, uh, I don't know what the reason was is, but they have a sentimental, like, I think he, he and his wife now, like we're, you know, kind of up against it financially when they first met and their first anniversary or their first date was Arby's, which sounds terrible. <laughs> like take a, a woman to Arby's. There's a Steinfeld to, episode all about that. Yeah. But like now they go every year that they're married and they're like doing well. 
they still go to Arby's every year for their anniversary, and I always thought that was sweet. Hey, listen, the big roast beef slaps. So a little curly fry action. Are you a cheddar melt guy, or are you just the? Oh yeah, cheddar yeah, melts okay. are so good. They but, are Arby's. Does okay, slap. so the the question is, what other states could you do this in? Like, oh, could you could it, could you do it? Well, obviously Culver's is now national. Like I, where I live in Florida, we have a Culver's right down the street. But like, if you're in North Carolina. Do you do this at a Bojangles? Does, is that the same thing? If Or I guess my, not a cookout might be more, more North Carolinian than, than Bojangles even. Uh, if you are, if you're in LA, do you do it at In-N-Out? Like if you're at Nebraska, if if you're in Nebraska, do you do it at a Runza? It's at a Runza, no doubt about it. This I was one just seems to hit differently Runza earlier. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Jesse, well, go ahead. To all the Nebraska fans listening, I'd like to apologize in advance. You only get one chance to make a first impression. I was in Lincoln a few years ago. I thought, you know, let me experience everything that Nebraska has to offer outside of Memorial Stadium. And I went to Runza. And maybe the food was old. Maybe the cook was mad that day. Maybe they didn't even have a cook. Maybe it was like a waiter that had to step in. I don't know what the hours were. It was probably the worst fast food meal I've ever had. I took it to Twitter. I made it known. Nebraska fans were less than thrilled. Um, But I made it out. And you know what? They're going back to Lincoln this year. And, and I'm willing to give them a second chance. As terrible as it was, I, I don't want to write them off just just yet. Well, what so did you order? Runza really disappointed me. What did I order? Yeah, I think it was a regular Runza. Like I don't. I'm going to sound like someone who's not from Nebraska because I'm not. But it Probably was just, just like the number the one. Standard, yeah, yeah, it was the standard Runza. It was okay. Absolutely horrible. So I, I don't know what to do. I, I feel conflicted. Like, do I put myself on the line and really my body on the line to try Runza a second time? A, well, a runs is like loose meat stuffed into kind of a closed-in bun with cheese. Yeah, that's right. I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was the worst meal I've ever had in my entire life or worst fast food experience. We all catch the, people on different days. The one thing I will say is if you were a creator or CEO or founder of a fast food restaurant and you go with crinkle fries, you need to get your, your head checked. I, I'm with you. I'm I don't even know how you begin to I'm, like start. I'm a talking that to way. you every chicken finger restaurant in America. Why? Crinkle fries. Why? Suck. Why? 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 There's a reason Chick Fil A kicks all of your asses because they went waffle fries. Crinkle is the runt child of the French fry. <laughs> yeah, I'm in full so, agreement. So, but so Nebraska's got runs. I think there's several different states where you could do this in. Yeah, I I don't know. Like being. Doing it at Chick-fil-A, I don't think it would be limited to Georgia. I think there's about six states where a proposal at Chick-fil-A is perfectly acceptable and and downright romantic. In Indiana, I think you've got Pizza King. They got those all over the state. If you guys they go. Been to, been to the Pizza King? Oh, no, I've never been there. Used to have like I was my first job at a college was in Muncie, Indiana. So I got the, the full flavor there. They'd have like the phones at the booth. Yeah. There's a lot. I think there's a lot of states. You know, you should probably, since you're such a foodie, Andy, this might be good for your next mailbag is in all 50 states. Where would you make the proposal in each of those states? You've already got at least like 10 of them. Well, we got Illinois now because Eli uh, tells us in the live chat, can confirm in Chicago that I have a buddy who proposed at Lou Malnati's. That is tremendous. Yeah. Lou Malnati's is the- Where did you propose? Me? Yeah. At at the spot we met. Where did you propose, Jesse? In a bar. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> I proposed at my wife's parents' house. We used to play the game of Clue. Uh, like she has two brothers. We just kind of like, 
I don't know. We've wait, got so, in a board wait, game. Wait, so, so you, we were you proposed with, with Colonel Mustard in the study with the candlestick? <laughs> so I had a, a page designer at the newspaper I was at in Muncie, Indiana, and I asked her to make three special cards. One was of me, one was of the ring, and one was of the room we were in. So we, we doctored it. So the three cards that were inside were those three cards, and me and her two brothers kept uh, tanking the game until she would be able to guess the three and then open them up. Uh, I think she was pretty confused about what was going on, but in theory, it was a good idea. That is the most amazing proposal story I've ever heard. I feel like such an idiot. By comparison. Why? Did you, com- did you propose and did they say yes? Well, yeah, but okay. So then that's all that matters. The story's not nearly as good. What? So when she finally did open the three cards, how did didn't that know what they were, was confused. Uh. Like I guessed, I guessed, I made my guess. These are not those items. And then I got down on one knee and proposed. And I think she still wasn't sure. You're not professor plum. Yeah, that's right. I proposed in our kitchen. So good. Okay. There you go. And she was very like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why'd you (laughs) get up? Like, why'd you do this here? Cause she was in the middle of cooking something like cookies or something. And the reason why I did that was because I had all of her friends and family and all of my friends fly in. And I wanted her to be surprised for the party. So like I was going, where am I going to propose? Where am I going to propose? But if I would have done it any other way, she would have figured out that the party was there. So it was a terrible proposal. And she was kind of like, wow, you put in no effort to this at all. And then at the end of the night, she was like, okay, I get it. Then you totally redeemed yourself. Yes. Well, we're glad that you've committed to us here at the Andy Staples show and friends by clicking subscribe be it in podcast form or on YouTube or wherever you're getting this show because we, we provide it in, in every way possible. But uh, please, by all means, keep doing that. Keep telling your friends. Hit subscribe. We're going to answer some five-star questions next week. So uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple or Google Podcasts, and uh, we'll go through them and and grab your questions and answer them on the show. That's the surest way to get your, your question answered on the show. Gentlemen, it has been fun. I really want a butter burger now. That may be dinner tonight. Cannot wait to find out what happens next when Brett Bielema comes back to Camp Randall. We'll talk to you later.